Francis Coco Chanel is famous for creating the little black dress and the skirt suit. Detroit's Tracy Reese is one of the most important African-American designers of our time, having dressed A-list actors and at least one first lady. Mei Ling is widely considered the mother of modern fashion in Trinidad and Tobago. Charla Hobson is just that for the island of Anguilla. Growing up, she remembers matching and picking her outfits as soon as she could express herself. Although her primary school wore a uniform, Charla always found the urge to alter it in whatever way she could. One year, Charla's mother encouraged her to attend a sewing class during school vacation. She was hesitant. By the end of the class, however, she had learned much and was now excited about what she could create. Although she had been taught the basics of sewing by one of her grandmothers, the class opened up new possibilities and was perhaps the catalyst for her creative genius. By the time Charla was a teenager, influences from some of the island's most fashionable women, album art from pop artists and designers such as Zach Posen, were bursting in her mind and erupted in the form of her first clothing line, Panache Couture. On an island with virtually no fashion industry, Charla defied the odds. She began to design original pieces and took it a step further by producing and promoting her own fashion shows and recruiting and training a team of over 30 models. What never existed before came into fruition because of Charla's vision and execution. With no existing industry to pull from, Charla built the foundation for designers and models on the island today. With several local shows, regional exhibitions, and a degree from the renowned Savannah College of Art and Design, Charla continues to evolve and teach the creative entrepreneurs of the future. But the show isn't over yet. This is the story, thus far, of Charla Hobson. I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30. She is a fashion designer, stylist, and educator, Charla Hobson. Welcome to Planet 30. Hello, Crispin. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing fine. Um, just, I guess, blessed and just enjoying where I'm at right now in life. All right. All right. How is K-Man? K-Man is K-Man. It's good. It's, um... You know, the change of scenery is sometimes, you know, good in order to thrive and, you know, just experience something different. But, of course, missing Anguilla. Missing Anguilla. <laughs> it always fascinates me that they say K-Man and not K-Man. The world says K-Man, yep. and they say K-Man. Yep, and don't they say K-Mans. <laughs> <laughs> that's, how you, that's, how they, that's how you know, that's how they'll know you're from out of town. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, Charla, at what age did you start to pick out your own outfits? Um, probably from since I was able to um, communicate. Um, my mom would tell me, you know, how opinionated I was in terms of um, selecting clothes and stuff. But I guess it really came into fruition um, when I was in primary school. Like, sometimes she would send me to school one way and I would have my outfit styled another way by the time 
I got into the schoolyard, <laughs> I changed my hairstyle, uh, whatever it is, just to, um, you know, make okay. it a look that I wanted. <laughs> I'm about to say, how do you, how do you alter beige and brown? <laughs> Probably, um, tie up the shirt on the side, or, like, if it was a dress-up day, like, if we had a fair or something, you know, like, roll up my shirt, make it into a little crop top, <laughs> I'm sure that didn't go over well. <laughs> Not at all. And then when I was in high school, I was able, I was already able to sew a bit, so I would cut off some of my school skirts. Well, okay. <laughs> without, without her permission. Oh boy, who taught you how to sew? Well, my grandma, my mom's mom. She um she she never really taught me to sew, but I, I've been around her. I, from being around her and seeing her so I kind of picked up on a few things, more like by hand, not with a machine. But um, when I was about in maybe like second form, my parents signed me up for a summer sewing course. Miss um, Anita Ruan used to hold like this um, summer sewing workshop. And when they signed me up, I was like, oh my goodness, why would you sign me up for that? Like, you know, that's so old fashioned. Like who wanna, who wanna go sew something on a sewing machine, you know? And I was reluctant, but the first day I went, I just fell in love, and that's all, that's why also like even as a parent, sometimes my kids aren't gonna want to do everything I want them to do, but I feel like just go and see if you like it. Just go to the process, even if you don't like it. At least that's another skill you have that you can decide if you wanna, you know, develop it or you know let it turn into something or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. So you were designing your own outfits and everything as a child. What would you say was your style motif at that age? Were you like a prissy girl, a tomboy, a mix? I think I just wanted to be a little bit more fancy, a little bit more edgy. I think like growing up um, on a small island, sometimes like you can feel like the style is a bit limited. So like it's almost like you're trying to like rebel against that a bit or like even like just um, be creative and innovative to kind of like, you know, create looks that are that are you because everything that's available is so limited you know mm-hmm. speaking of angula what what are some of your fondest memories of growing up in angula <sighs> pretty much everything um well in particular i have my two grand my two grandmas um they're still alive thank god um one oh, of wow. them is 99 and one of them is 90 is 95 god and bless I, them wow yeah be, being away from angula that's one of the biggest things just two of them and um you know, I, I spent a lot of time with I spent a lot of time with them. Um, I would go over by them to sleep. I would go over by them just to chill out. I love communicating with older people. I've always been that way since I was very young. So just being in their company, getting the jokes, the little bad word here and there, or the little forwardness here and there, and um, just hanging out with my family mostly, and then. Um, Going to the beach, of course, the, the usual Angolian thing. And um, especially my grandma, the one that's 99, she lives in Santa Ground, um, just maybe like a minute from the, from the sea. So we would go by her for like when it's like midterm break or Easter or whatever. And then we would just wake up, go to the beach and be at the beach like from the morning till the night. Then the next day, wake up and do it again. You know, just a carefree kind of, you know, freedom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Chala, I remember, yeah, and this is eons ago, I had a web magazine when I was in college called AnguillaVibe.com, and they told me that there's a girl named Charla who is into fashion, and I should, 
uh, let Charla write the fashion section for the magazine. And uh, that's when I, uh, not that, that's not when I met you, but I knew you from, you know, we knew each other from childhood. But mm-hmm. um, that's when I, when I knew that you were into fashion and I met the fashion side of you. And you used mm-hmm. to do these spreads for Anguilla Vibe, no matter what the, with limited resources on, on the island, you used to create <laughs> these fashion spreads. And I remember every time I came home from college, I would run to Barnes & Noble to get a couple copies of Teen Vogue to bring for Charla. <laughs> so, yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for that, Christine. <laughs> no problem. But I was like, yo, this is girls who's into fashion. I got to get I gotta get these for Charla. I remember buying these fashion magazines. But at what age did you sort of know that this was that this is what you wanted to do? Like fashion was the thing. The reason why I'm asking, as you mentioned, on a small island with with limited resources and 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 in a lot of ways limited vision when it comes to the arts. Out of everything that people were probably forcing you to do, how did how did you focus on fashion and say this is what I want to do? When did that start for you? Okay, um, I would say maybe like in upper upper high school. Um, I think there's like something within me that is like if something is hard to achieve or, or if something is like goes against the grain there was something about it at that stage where I just it some things that were like that attracted me right mm-hmm. so I remember um like you know typically the traditional career paths that's what like everyone was talking about everyone was embracing and I just felt very drawn to that and I, I mean I had a lot of people that would say like you know that won't work out blah 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 oh and I, I know I know like, that story you know, it won't work out well. Watch me make it work out, right? But as I get as I get older, and as I as I've even grown, because the thing is, for me, I never wanted to be like fashion designer Charla Hobson, name in the lights, famous um, fashion designer. I've just always been a very solutions oriented person, and like you bring me any problem, anything, a hairstyle something fashion related and even in edu- even as an educator now as a teacher like i just see solutions i just never see problems like to me there's always a way to like fix something or um come up with a with with a, with a way to make something or design something whether if it's something tangible or even if it's just an idea to create um you know to create even a, a, a an experience right i feel like i'm drawn to that kind of stuff so since I was into fashion at that point, then that was one of the reasons I think why I decided to go along with, with that path. Uh-huh. Now, your dad being an artist and art teacher, did that have any influence on you, you think? Well, funny enough, you know, I think that would have had, um, had an influence. Um, I mean, like growing up and seeing him doing his pieces at home, and then I would go to um, exhibitions with him and to art galleries and that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, my parents are super supportive, but my dad, he actually was not really in favor of me going to study fashion. And I think it's because the experience he would have had as an artist up on a small island and then, you know, the, the, the whole response to, to, to those kind of um, feels and stuff like that. And then I guess, you know, he probably didn't want that for me. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I w- yes and no. <laughs> Got it. I mean, parents try to protect, you know? Yes, yes, yes. So, Charla, as a child, I remember, and this was painful for me, but I'm pretty sure it was different uh, for somebody like you. I remember going to the seamstress with my mother. 
as she would walk with her patterns and her pictures. I would have to sit on the floor or in, on a chair with shards of cloth around me at uh, Isa May's studio and, and, and Mrs. Webster. Shout out to Cleo Webster. <laughs> Um, at their, at their little, um, offices or studios. Did you enjoy shopping in St. Martin or going to the the seamstress with your mother as a child? (laughs) Well, that's the thing. Like the whole, the whole seamstress end of it, you know, was not very appealing at at all. That's why even when, um, you know, I got opportunities to dress in class, I was like, oh, like that's like, you know, where's the glamour in that? And I really liked shopping, right? As you said, like in St. Martin or anywhere where I can get an opportunity. We used to go to Puerto Rico a lot to go shopping and stuff like that. So there really wasn't like the appeal locally. And I mean, like those people were very talented, you know, and all oh, some of them are still around as very talented. But like there wasn't really like, you know, an appeal to it when you were young like that and you went around them. <laughs> So I I know and I, I wasn't into fashion at that time at all. I was like, oh, what is this? Mm-hmm. Why are we here?" Mm-hmm. So it's it's, it's well, int- no, it's, it's interesting to hear you say that it didn't appeal to you either. Mm-hmm. Because I guess um, I know I wasn't paying um, attention to like really like the process. I guess maybe. And then sometimes like the stuff that would end up being made would have like you know that cookie cutter type look like where you can look at it and it just looks like it was made you know that kind of way Mm. yeah now charla early on in your career who were your influences in particular from tv or music or even or even locally okay well when i was younger actually um my aunt owned a um, music store and so i remember being in that music store and just seeing a lot of the um album arts and album covers and just really becoming acquainted with a lot of the different artists like Beyonce, you know, um, I can remember like Mariah Carey, Aaliyah, all of them. And um, the music was a really big thing for me, but just looking at them and like, you know, this, their style, the way they were dressed. And um, also, I guess I would say even um, some TV shows I would watch um, like... Um, Sister, sister, and girlfriends. I remember I really liked um, Tracy Elise Ross from that show, and up until today, she's still like I guess one of my like style icons, so to speak. And um, within the Anguillian community, I would say that there were a lot of women who I admired actually, um, especially given our limited context and limited resources. A lot of them really exemplified um, this kind of like graceful type of style. Um, you know, I wouldn't really want to name any names, but, you know, like, of course, like, for sure, we know Miss Linda Banks, <laughs> like, you know, she already, she, she had her own aesthetic and the way she went around um, displaying it. Like, I remember the air she would, um you know, emanate in terms of her style and her fashion. And then I could remember when Sharifa um, came out with her swimsuits. I wasn't, like, into swimsuit designs, but just to see someone from where I'm from pursuing design, even on the scale that she did it on, I remember being very inspired um, by that. Um, As I got a little bit, you know, more exposed to the fashion world, I traveled to Jamaica and Trinidad and then seeing these people from right in the region who, you know, were so creative and who were really budding in the... um, fashion industry and then even being aware that the Caribbean had a fashion industry you know that was eye-opening like Mei Ling, um, 
Sidela Mali, Claudia Pegasus, Peter Elias, you know, um, that was really a turning point for me, I would say, and believing that it was something that I could pursue. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, Charlotte, tell me, coming from your early days in fashion to even now, who were your favorite designers back then and who are your favorite designers now? <laughs> okay, well, um, when I first started, um, I was very much intrigued a lot by more of the like avant-garde type looks and influences, you know. Um, for me, it was a lot about the art and the creative aspect of it. So um, some of the designers I really, um, that stood out for me, who I admired and looked at a lot of their work was um, like Zach Posen, Jean-Paul Gaultier, who worked for Dior, and also um, Alexander McQueen. And then a little later on from that, um, Christian Seriano, he was one who I remember really being drawn to. But, you know, as with anything in life, you go through the um, changes, you know, from collecting different experiences, discovering new things. Sometimes, you know, even your values may change. Your preferences naturally as a human being may change your outlook just based on all your experiences in life. So after, like, going to college and, you know, even, I guess, becoming a wife and a mother and um, my different relationships and friendships and just developing my own worldview, so to speak. A lot of my, like, my preferences sort of changed, and I think you could see it even in my in my work and in my um, aesthetic. Um, so I tend to draw, be drawn towards a lot more, like, um, feminine, functional looks and even a lot of designers who had, like, a social justice-type platform and stuff like that. So, some of my designers that I, you know, I'm still, who I grew to love, um, as I had these changes happen in my life, were like Jason Wu, Tracy Reese, Isabel Toledo, Tori Birch, and um, I've been really drawn to, to Peter Elias. He still has that avant-garde type of thing. He's from Trinidad, but, you know, I like how he merges um, the avant-garde with functionality. So you you had these first thoughts of becoming a designer, and um, do you can you remember what your first serious experimentation was with a garment? Um, probably I would have to say well when I went to the, the sewing course, that was one thing that really stood out about that course. When you got there, the you started working on something that was for you to wear. So I think the first thing we did was like a skirt, then we did a shirt. And then we did, like, an evening dress. Whereas usually, like, with sewing classes, we like, you know, let's sew a pillow. Let's sew uh, something that's, like, you know, not really, like, practical that you feel invested in, you know, kind of way. But, like, with this course, it was, like, from the time we started when you jumped in, it was, like, you were sewing something for yourself. And a couple of years after, that would have been my prom. And that was something I really, like, you know, put a lot of my design skills into. I drew out... Um, me and my prom date's outfit. And um, I took it to a seamstress to do some of the sewing, but I was able to work along with her to um, get it to get it done. So that was, I guess, one of my most serious pieces that I put together. One no. of the first most serious pieces I put together. Nice, nice. Now, my prom date didn't make my stuff. No, I think we got it from St. Martin. <laughs> <laughs> And on an island, as as we discussed before, you know, on an island that doesn't encourage the arts, quite frankly, a lot of times, where did you find the courage within, really, you know, as a teenager to 
say I am gonna I am going to be a designer right now in Anguilla and I'm gonna upset the fashion well not even upset the fashion scene I'm going to create the fashion scene in many circles Mei Ling is seen as the the, the mother of modern fashion in Trinidad I would mm-hmm. submit that Charla Hobson was the modern is the mother modern mother of fashion in Anguilla oh my Crispin I don't know about that but I would say a lot of it um, comes from my circle and from my family. You know, um, I've never really grown up around, like, you know, a very limiting mindset. Like, sometimes, because even, like, with the arts in Anguilla, like, yes, it's not, like, really heavily promoted, like, to encourage young people to, like, get involved in it as a career. Uh, I still feel like I had a lot of support. Like, even when I used to have, like, my fashion shows and, like, you know, when when I made it known that that was a path I wanted to take, like, I had, like, Uber, I felt like I had, like, Uber support. Like, the amount of people that would come to the shows, the amount of people that would encourage me, it's like, I don't know, like, if in the back of their heads, like, they felt like, oh, my goodness, like, what is she doing? But I felt like, openly, though, they, they, they supported me, you know? Like, some people did express their, their, their doubts, but I think... Um, I don't know, maybe there were some people as well who wished that it was something that they would have pursued. So I guess seeing a young person, you know, deciding to go against the fray and decide to pursue it, um, that's why there was encouragement. But I would say overall it was my family and my circle. Like, you know, they made me feel like it was possible, you know. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, I remember you saving my life twice. You probably don't remember this. But there were two music videos, You're in Love by Better Band and Island Girls, Young Diction, Shata, and Ayaz. Twice we booked ladies to be in the videos. And both times, a lot majority of the ladies either didn't show up or they canceled mere hours before the video. Twice <laughs> I made a call to Charla and said, do you have any of your models available? And both times, I thank you again you came through uh, swiftly and just wonderfully for, for me and, and, and my crew. What did modeling do for the young lady's confidence, you think, in Anguilla? Because you had a whole a whole crew. You had a, what, almost 30 models at one point? Yeah. Well, um, you know, really and truly, like, you know, it was all um, like an empowerment group or like more of a movement. Like, you know, like... It was like, as you said, like in Angola, there wasn't like a lot of opportunities, even if some of them were seriously interested in modeling or most of them weren't. But here it was an opportunity for like young women to come together, not necessarily to be like in a pageant or in a, or the usual things that we would have in Angola. So here was an opportunity for young women to come together to, um, you know, be a part of something that was positive. And I mean, um, a lot of the models were like um girls who did really well in school or who had very good um you know what should i say good <laughs> i don't want to use the word reputations but you know good models so like good not models as as in like models but good role models right so here it was it's like you had a group of girls it was like more of like a female empowerment group we encouraged each other we motivated each other like sometimes we would um you know, even talk about like college prospects and talk about like when a lot of us, a lot of the older ones, when we went to college, then we would look back and help the others and like, you know, just discuss things that 
you know, were even bigger than just, you know, putting on fancy clothes and modeling on a runway. It was more like of a female empowerment group that, you know, would inspire um, other young ladies in Angola to just thrive and um, really um, make something good out of, out of their lives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now tell me about the... Con- <laughs> oh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, and it really helped a lot with the confidence aspect, as you asked before, you know. I remember having a lot of them join, and it was like, you know, they were like scared. I couldn't even walk in heels or afraid of crowds. And then, like, over time, you know, they, they just really um, thrived. And even, like, even off of the runway, just in life in general, from being able to have their confidence and self-image um, boosted. Because a, a few of your models actually became uh, talented teen winners and Miss Anguilla winners, yeah? Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. What a group, what a group. So tell me about the thought process behind Panache Couture. And I giggle when I say the name because I remember some of the older persons didn't exactly know how to pronounce the name. And I remember hearing <laughs> people say Penanche Couture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, when I first started off, I just had, I was just intrigued by um, the peacock, you know, like the peacock, especially if it's the male ones or whatever, who um, spread out their wings, their feathers and or whatever. And it's just so beautiful. And there's just like this air of elegance and this air of style. So I remember um, I was looking up for something that just radiated like style and elegance. So I think I came up like with something like distinctive style, elegance and confidence. I still actually use that with House of Panache, which is which it is now. But yeah, so the peacock bud was like the image I had in my mind and then um panache means like distinctive style, elegance and confidence. Like it embodies that stuff. And then like, you know, couture was like, you know, the thing for like, you know, making handmade, like one of a kind garments. But even, you know, you live and you learn and you grow. So even like in terms of going to um, fashion school and really get more exposed to the fashion world and stuff like that. And, you know, I came to learn like, you know, couture is more like for those fashion houses, like where, you know, it has like, you know, these, they're usually like, you know, in France and Paris or whatever, where they have like, you know, like these couturiers, like, you know, where it's just like this specialized thing with these like specialized skills and stuff. So it's a word that gets thrown around loosely in the fashion world but it's actually like a particular niche mm-hmm. and then that was one of the things that um that was one of the, the discoveries that i made that um led to me changing the name as well mm-hmm, mm-hmm. can you describe the line back in the early days like what did it look like what did it feel like <laughs> oh gosh the line back in that time was all about art and expression and even a bit of rebellion and some of everything that um, a teenager would would <laughs> would have in their minds or whatever. I mean, um, it was just about the ideas that were running around in my mind and kind of like making a statement through fashion, I would say. Um, a lot of the different collections would be based on different ideas that I had. So I remember like the first fashion show... Um, we one of the collections were like this African based theme where um you know this was even before the whole before um African prints became glamorous because this would have been like what two thousand and I want to say two thousand and three or two thousand and four one of those two thousands mm. and 
you know, it was just using the African prints and African fabrics in an innovative way, um, not the traditional um, way of using them or wrapping them and stuff like that. And usually for each show, I would have had like about four collections, but that was a standout collection from what I could remember for that show. So it was more based on arts and expression at that point compared to now. Understood. Now, how many shows did you do over the years? Maybe, I would say maybe about seven shows, like independently, my own shows. But over the years, I would say countless, you know, being involved in other um, people's productions. Even when I was away in Atlanta going to school and stuff, I did a few shows there. Um one time I had went to Trinidad to represent Anguilla, did a show in Trinidad and Tobago, and then one time in Jamaica. So quite a bit of shows. So you did do regional shows. That's wonderful. Yes, yes. Did you show any of your work, your personal work in Atlanta as well? Yes, I did um, several times um, um, at our school, and then a, a couple of times I got involved in some productions at like um, Caribbean um, producers had a few of them reached out to me and I had done a few shows that they would have had like at different um, event spots and stuff like that because mm-hmm. I remember you went hard on shows I remember one show in particular I was unable to attend because I think I was judging a show that night it was around carnival and mm-hmm. I regret not going because when I saw the pictures I was like this is just just aesthetically it was just what it was like an all-white set with the, uh, I think you had trees without the leaves, and they were spray-painted, and the catwalks. And chandelier or something. Yes! I was like, yeah, wow. I guess, I guess um, going back to like what I told you earlier about just being a very solutions-oriented person and just having like a, a vision in my mind and actually like producing that vision to even create an experience... Um, that describes that was it well. always one of the ideas behind my shows as well. Just creating a different experience because you know, like in Anguilla, in terms of what we would have, it would you know usually be kind of like you know a little typical or uh, typical go up on a stage. So just creating an experience to go along with um what I had to offer. Hmm. Now tell me, tell me about fashion school. You leave Anguilla and you decide to go to uh to to Georgia. Which school did you attend and what was the experience like? Okay, so I went to um, SCAD Atlanta, Savannah College of Art and Design, which is, you know... Great school. I guess I would say a very prominent art school. Mm -hmm. Um, They have a campus in Savannah, which is big on film as well, as you know, Crispin. And then they have the the Atlanta campus. Um, It was an awesome experience. Um, It had its highs and lows, you know being away from Angola for the first time and then I had um several other things going on at that time as well but um it was a great experience just an eye-opener and being able to go through all the art-based courses and then um just you know seeing living life somewhere else and just um being able to network with other students that had so much exposure because you know when I when I had a lot of my art classes like a lot of those students would have like already like honed in on their art skills from in high school and already like you know like for us like you know we we don't really have like an art based high school or you know that kind of stuff so that was really something that was like wow for me they're coming they're coming in there equipped yeah coming in there equipped you know but as a as a caribbean national as an angolian national you know how we do it when we go in a school like 
we will we will come with zero experience and end up <laughs> running it with more experience, you know killing it still you know just the work ethic i hope i don't offend anybody with that but you know just pushing it because i mean we, we when we when we leave to go somewhere we're making a sacrifice our families are making a sacrifice for us to be there so we are not gonna go there to you know just be average so to speak mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so chala unlike many people you had the honor, the pleasure, and it wouldn't be you if, if this wouldn't be done if it wasn't you. I mean, I, I could, when I heard about this, I said, yep, this, that's Charla. You designed your own wedding dress. <laughs> yes. Tell us about that. I mean, did you always have the vision for what it would look like or? Yes. Um, <laughs> Well, that's this. This is a funny question. Um, I did design my own wedding dress. I actually did not do most of the making of it myself. Actually, a Vietnamese um lady had made it for me. Um, in Atlanta, I would go over by her sometimes and help with the detailing and stuff like that. But I did have. I always knew I would not want to get married in a in a white dress, right? I guess that's part of the rebel in me that we were speaking about earlier. And how I how was that it. received by the older uh, attendees? Well, you not, know, not that he had I a can, choice in the matter. I can, I can, I can only think of like one person who kind of like had like a hmm, but then like when they saw me in it, it was like you know. But it, it's just some, and I had even down to the very fabric. Like even before I was like engaged or anything like that. Like I remember one time I went to the store to get something for something I was doing school related, and I just bumped on this fabric, and I was like. This is the fabric I want my dress from. And I got a sample of it and I had it in my purse for years. Oh right? my goodness. And, <laughs> and when, the, when the person came along and that time came along and I had my piece of fabric sample to find this fabric for this specific look I had in mind for my special day. Wow. And what color was the dress? Gold. Gold. Yeah. <laughs> what was your husband? Did did he know what the dress was going to look like, or did, or did he see it for the first time when you came down the aisle? He saw it for the first time when I came down the aisle. Um, he did know that it wasn't going to be white, but I did not. Uh, I don't think I had told him the color. Wow, so. the reaction must have been epic. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that in addition to being late. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> oh my gosh! Good things take time. <laughs> Yes, for sure. Now, what difficulties did you have, going back to Panache Couture, what difficulties did you have um, launching a fashion line with very little resources? Like, give me some of the, the nuts and bolts of the in terms of difficulties. Okay, well, in terms of the difficulties, when I launched, um, how, old I, how old was I? It was probably about 17. So, you know, when you're that age, it's like, you know, you're going to conquer the world and you don't see challenges as challenges and you know as i told you being a very solutions oriented person i would say there weren't really any challenges besides like not being able to find like particular fabrics and stuff like that but i had like a lot of overseas um sources and stuff too even before the age of like ordering online i had like family away and stuff so like sometimes i would like find stuff or send them to the store to look for something so i would get it that way but as, as the business evolved and even when I finished school and I was doing it like um, more on a professional level, one of the challenges, one of the biggest challenges was um, just the whole idea of like 
um, having a, a, a manufacturing type business in Angola in terms of getting the resources on the island in a cost effective way and the whole custom situation and, you know, paying the same duty that someone that's bringing in a one-on-one item that's already made would be paying. So those kind of things, that's really the make and break now when you want to build a business, you know, um, that was one of the biggest challenges, I would say, mm-hmm. as the business evolved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, Charla, what can governments, in, in particular governments in the Caribbean or small island states, uh, what can governments do to help artists, particularly fashion designers? Well, I think that, you know, there's always, um, it's always best to liaison and communicate with um, people in these industries because, you know, the art, the arts, the arts really have a, a, a big part to play in terms of um, a country's development. And a lot of times focus is not placed on, um, on, on that field. And it really does have a lot of potential. I know I've heard a lot of talk around now in regards to like, you know, like communicating with um, people in the arts and in the manufacturing in, in industries that are emerging in Angola to really decide on a, on a way forward that would make it um, practical and economical and possible for um, people to really have, you know, a functioning business, not just be a name with a great idea and beautiful stuff, but just really being able to be successful um from a business standpoint. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think communities can do? Um, well, I guess communities can continue to um, invest and also support. I mean, one thing I must say, like even in terms of the business support in Angola, when I used to have my shows and when I was much younger and this was just an idea for me, like I had a lot of sponsorship and support from the community. Like I had several businesses sponsoring me and, you know, enabling me to get the fabrics and the materials and the various resources that I would need to put on the shows. Like I did not have to beg. Like I had, you know, a few calls here and there, but they were really willing and open and available to support. I mean, it, I guess probably like more community oriented events um, that would focus on um, showcasing more of the, the the different artists outside of like the singers and stuff, but you know even the fashion designers and um, what are some of the other artists we have, and even just merging some of the things together. Like we have a lot of the musical artists, you know, like merging it with fashion and merging it with um, craft and. You know, just other innovative ways and not everyone just like, you know, working in their own different little corner doing their thing. Mm-hmm. What is success? <laughs> Hold on. Why did you decide to um, change the name from Panache Couture to House of Panache? Okay, well, that goes back to what I was telling you earlier about the misconception with the word couture right and then also i knew that i wanted to um branch out into other areas as well not focus specifically on um design i also wanted to um incorporate um styling which is something um i'm really um that's really evolving within my business right now and so that was one of the reasons why i changed to the house aspect so that it could just be a broader less limiting um type of name as well got it got it what does success look like for the house of panache (sighs) good 
question. Um, success for House of Panache, really and truly, um, from an artist's point of view, is me really just executing a vision and um, seeing it come true um, to fruition and then really um, having a client wear a garment that I make and just seeing the joy and the pleasure that it brings them, you know. Um, in particular, a lot of my main focus now is on um, special occasion and wedding pieces and just being able to, you know, be a part of these special moments and memories in someone's life and um, being able to just execute a vision that makes them feel like, you know, just beautiful and being distinctive and just standing out and, um, you know, all that good stuff. Standing out. (laughs) (laughs) So, Charla, you have another passion. Like your parents, you enjoy teaching. You are also, and you are currently an educator as well. Tell us about your entire experience and vision and how you merge fashion into your teaching. Okay. Well, as you said, um, the path of education was almost one that was kind of like inevitable on my end, having um, both parents being educators. And it was just something I was always drawn to, just like, you know, um, teaching my dolls. And I think that's kind of where my fashion thing kind of evolved. So I used to make like clothes for my dolls and that kind of stuff. You say teaching so, your dolls. Yeah, I would teach them and stuff. So I just, being an educator was always something I was interested in. It was two things I was very passionate about was um, teaching and then also fashion. And I always wanted to merge the two, you know, like, as I mentioned to, to you earlier, I never envisioned like Charla, Connor, Hobson, whatever the last name would be, being like, you know, like a fashion brand per se. I just wanted to be able to reach and teach others, you know, and being able to help people like, come up with creative solutions for their ideas as well and stuff like that. So teaching, even when I went off to study um, fashion, it was with the, it was with the decision to um, merge it with education, right? So unfortunately, that, um, that opportunity didn't come when I expected it to. So eventually I went into education, um, teaching art, right? Which was very closely connected with fashion as well. And so I used that opportunity to kind of like inspire others and expose them to various aspects of the arts and that kind of stuff. And right now I'm actually a third grade teacher and I just absolutely love teaching. Like I'm like one of those teachers who like don't want to miss a day of school or, you know, even if it's like a storm day or something, it's like, oh my goodness, I don't get to see my babies and stuff like that. And I mean, I've always been someone, whatever I decide to do, whatever I put my mind to, I'm going to do it well, right? Because as I I'm just a very solutions-oriented person, as you've probably heard me say a, a million times since I'm on this And so, you know, like, I just love to create a great experience for people, right? So, like, even within my classroom, like, you know, my kids love coming to school because I just... You know, the environment in the classroom is very inviting. I allow them to um, explore themselves and expose them to a lot of things and just, you know, being, like, not limiting them. Like, you know, exposing them to all the opportunities that are out there and just expressing themselves. 
Um, so right now I'm actually working on a master's in education and I'm hoping to also even to still be able to merge, um, fashion with education right now. Um, I'm developing another brand as well, which is called styled by Chala. Um, over the years I've helped a lot of people with, um, styling efforts, whether it's for pageants, um, for weddings, for birthdays, for different occasions. I mean, I just have several people who, who just text me and just like, what do you think about this? Can you help me choose an outfit for this? Can you? So I've decided to um, really hone in on, on, on that aspect and, you know, help people to create um, wardrobes that like suit their lifestyles, that empower them and all that good stuff. And that also allows me to merge, um, you know, the education aspect with um, fashion. Mm-hmm. What, if anything, would you have done different in creating your fashion brands? Hmm, what would I have done different? I can't think of anything right now off the top of my head. I mean, I feel like every experience in life is like a lesson and that's how you learn and grow. I feel like having a brand is, is a journey just like life. So even like when I just started off my brand, um, I think a lot of what I did expressed the point that I was at in my life then. And over the years, it evolves um, into, you know, as I matured as an individual and I had different things um, happen in my life and that kind of stuff, it kind of grew with that as well, right? So at the moment, I can't pinpoint anything that, you know, I would say I would have done differently because I feel like, you know, it's all culminated into, you know, and it's still a journey, it's still a process. So, Charla, even at a young age, you are a wealth of knowledge. You've been there, you've done that, you've, and you're still doing that. Um, what <laughs> advice do you have for young designers? Okay, um, well, I guess this is going to be a mouthful, Christian. Um, I think, first of all, for sure, they should ensure that um, it aligns with their overall goals for their life. So make sure that it really matches up beyond even just, um, you know, being big in fashion or pursuing fashion. Like, what are the other things in life that are important to you? And will this all, you know, come together to give you a life that you um, would be happy with? Um, most importantly, I would say, let your why be bigger than you. So if your why is just to be recognized or just to be glorified or just for validation, then it's kind of like just a wasted why and it could lead you astray and also limit you, right? So like, for example, for me, I think my why's um, were like, it's a creative outlet and I love being creative. And it also gave me an avenue to build others up, whether it was my clients, when I make something for them, seeing the confidence that they exude when they wear the pieces, you know, that really brought me joy. And then even... You know, in terms of empowering people and just um, inspiring them to embrace their beauty, their inner strength, and just enriching them and, you know, uplifting them and motivating them. I think if you're able to identify your why and it's beyond you, um, that's really, you know, a greater calling, you know. And also an important thing is to be able to separate yourself from, um, you know, to, be, to separate what you do from yourself and from your self-worth, and from your self-image. Because once you're able to do that, you're able to stand alone, to breathe, to be at peace, and even to evolve and grow, and even pivot if you need to, right? So I guess overall, you know, just enjoy the process, do lots of research, always be open to learning and growing, 
and also be open to pivoting if you need to even if it's into you know a field that's similar or a field that's completely different once it aligns with your whys in life mm-hmm. love it now what is the fashion scene like in the cayman islands um in the cayman islands i would say um the fashion scene is I, it would be more vibrant in Anguilla to a certain extent, but it's very similar. Um, there are not many designers, and um, a lot of the fashion-related stuff are pageant-oriented. Um, there's quite a bit. There's a lot of stores, but it's still like you know not on the level like the U.S. or anything or any major city or anything like that. But it's a bit more developed, but. Um, it has a lot of, of, of room, I guess, for evolving as well. Any plans to do any House of Panache shows in the Caymans? Honestly, mm, not anytime in the near future. Okay, okay. Yeah. Now here's a, here are a couple of fun questions that I have to ask. What is Charla's must-have fashion item? What do you always have to have in your closet? <sighs> A nice dress that can uplift my spirits. Uh, Usually, my favorite color is green. So, I always kind of try to have, like, a green piece that I feel like if I put that on, it's like, you know, this is it. Mm Mm-hmm. Baseball cap or broad hat? Broad hat. Sneakers or stilettos? Stilettos, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, su- uh, sundress or nice jeans sundress uh, you are a real 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 Caribbean woman <laughs> <laughs> now what is your next big move Charla what is the next big thing for House of Panache or even Style by Charla what's the next big thing you're plotting I should give away my plot but the next big thing is just really to um be able to lot to um broaden the horizons for style by charla and just um really develop that brand mm-hmm. and i asked you earlier what does success look like for for panache couture but now what does success look like for charla hobson the person success for charla hobson success for charla hobson looks like being Happy, being not stressed, not being under pressure, not having deadlines to meet, not having, (laughs) that might sound very unambitious, but just being able to just be still and enjoy just simple things in life. So Charla, at the end of this all, when you are 105 and you and your husband are sitting on your veranda, whether it be Cayman or Anguilla, and you're overlooking the water with your cup of tea, what, (laughs) what would you say is that thing that you wanted to to accomplish and you did accomplish. What is Charla Hobson's ultimate dream? Hmm, <laughs> My ultimate dream is just, um, you know, to live out my purpose. And as I told you, like, I think my purpose, one of my purposes on this earth is to, you know, create meaningful experiences for people, whether it be, through the creation of a garment, or through the creation of an experience, or being able to inspire them. Um, in particular, as a parent, like, 
you know, I want my children to be able to look at me and say, like, this didn't stop my mother, or this this next thing didn't stop my mother. Like, my mother always pursued the things that she wanted in life, right? So even if, you know, House of Panache or Style Chala, um, or whatever other opportunity, something I might pursue may not, you know, become, like, some household brand or whatever, it would be like they saw their, their mom work, they saw her go after her dreams, after her her goals, and enjoy life while doing that. Not let it, um, you know, dominate all her thoughts, all her energy, you know. So that's something that is um, important to me and that I would consider success. When I look back, I want to know that I've been um, a positive influence and inspiration to my children and to my family and even to others out there who may not even be closely aligned with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, Charla, this is a segment of the interview where I strap on my spacesuit and I jump out into the atmosphere and I leave you on the planet alone. <laughs> this is your time. The planet is yours. Say to the audience whatever it is you want to say to them. Well, hello to the audience of Planet 30. I hope that you enjoyed this interview. I hope that in some way it would have inspired you um, to, you know, live out your truth or to live out your passions or your experience, whatever you want to experience in life. And I just want you to remember that at the end of the day, you know, as we pursue all the finer things in life, as we pursue our passions and all these different things, so, um, you know, Always seek to pursue joy and peace above everything else. Awesome advice. Charla, most important question of the day, how do we contact you? How do we follow you? Well, um, I have um, uh, some social media handles. I have um, Style by Charla on Instagram. Also House, House of Panache Lifestyle on Instagram. And then I have my personal um facebook page and also a facebook page for house of panache and style by charla so i guess both on facebook and instagram would be the short answer awesome 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 Mm -hmm. charla hobson it was a pleasure reconnecting it was a pleasure hearing your story once again and i hope it is inspirational for uh, some audience members out there. They're, they're, I know there are a lot of fashion designers that are coming up. You you see these Instagram pages popping up. So, particularly for those in Anguilla, it's good for them to hear from the mother of modern fashion in Anguilla. <laughs> well, thank you, Crispin, and thank. If I've never told you before, thank you for the part that you played. Um, I think that was very instrumental, and in, you know the path that I would have taken as well. You're quite welcome, and. And I know you you were you were already giving back, so I don't even have to say that. I, you're giving back already, so um, <laughs> I'm I'm just excited to see who the next Charla Hobson is coming from, whichever island yeah. or whichever country, yes. you know. And anyone anyone out there, particularly in Angola, anyone who um, desires to pursue something in the arts or in fashion, always feel free to contact me. Like you know, I'm big on you know any help you need, any direction, anything with sourcing or any way I can help you. Um, to live out your passion or pursue your passion, um, feel free to contact me and I'm here to help. Each one, reach one. Yep. (laughs) Thank you so much, Charla. Okay, thank you, Crispin. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of Planet 30. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter 
at OnPlanet30. Like us on Facebook.com slash Planet30. Our email address is OnPlanet30 at gmail.com. That's O-N-P-L-A-N-E-T-T-H-I-R-T-Y at gmail.com. For more information about Planet 30, visit our website, planet30.com. That's P-L-A-N-E-T-T-H-I-R-T-Y dot com. I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30.